it gives me great pleasure to welcome today's guest mr ron mcafrey ron is an internationally recognized leader in sports development he has been honored as a master strength and conditioning coach by collegiate strength and conditioning association the highest honor that can be achieved as a strength and conditioning coach ron has worked with over 100 athletes that went on to play for the nfl he has worked with some of the nfl's teams and several collegiate programs most recently he served as a vice president of performance and education for play where he works with elite athletes and coaches around the world he is the founder and host of iron game chalk talk where he interviews inspiring snc's strength and conditioning coach mentor leader author speaker ron mcafrey has won all the hats good evening ron hey how you doing man good good how are you i am uh, good good busy busy day <laughs> understand great thank you so much for making the time for this ron first of all in fact your podcast were one of the first ones that i started listening to uh, when i started my career all right <laughs> yeah yeah oh it's great yeah uh, yeah i give chalk talks it was a good project you know on front of it yeah i think this was around 2015 16 when all the other podcasts were getting uh, traction within the field your yours was already established within the field by then i guess probably you were the one of first uh, the one of the first to start the podcast in our field it was probably a second strength conditioning podcast yeah okay uh, strength coach podcast by mike boyle was probably mike was the first one i think that i knew of Right, right, right. Uh, my first question to you would be: So I had collected a few questions from my colleagues and people whom I work with. Uh, so this was a question that primarily I wanted to ask you: At, at what point uh, a young coach uh, should uh, look into creating contents rather than consuming it? So for for a very brief period, I started I consumed contents, and then I had the idea of podcast, but I wasn't quite sure if I had the information bank within myself to. probably host and start a podcast so what what in your advice would be the best point for someone to look at creating rather than consuming yeah i think it's a great question i think um what i always tell people is that there there's always somebody that's walking the same path you're walking they're just a few steps behind you know so you can always you can always educate somebody at any point in your career you know the mistake that's made though it's when you're a young coach or you're a young content creator and you act as if you have all the answers you know and you present yourself that way um and that's when those that are more established typically have a problem with it right so as long as you continue to kind of to position yourself as somebody that's just at a certain point in their career and you're speaking to those that maybe are maybe a few steps behind you I think you could start creating content right away. Uh, I think ultimately you, that and when you do that what you'll find and probably what you're finding is by doing this podcast is the more people you talk to, the more content you create, the become the better coach you become, the better Did questions you ask, the better questions you ask and you know and you become the person you ask enough questions eventually people start asking you those questions, you know, and and that's how you start to become a little bit of a content expert in the field but i think even my at this point in my career you know 20 something years in the career um 
I still tell people that I'm just now starting to ask the right questions, let alone have any of the answers, you know, and I think as long as you stay humble and you just, you just share where you're at and what you can bring to somebody that might be a little bit behind you, I think everybody celebrates that. I understand. What were some of the challenges that you faced when you started off as a, a podcaster in this field? Yes. It's a good story because, I mean, I started, as you mentioned earlier on, that there really wasn't too many podcasts out there. In fact, I could only think of one other um, that existed, and that was a straight to podcast with Mike Boyle and Anthony Renna. And, um, in fact, I started my actual podcast as just a YouTube video, and Mike came across it and said that I should turn it into a podcast. And I said, yes, sir, what, what's a podcast? You know, I didn't even know what it was. And, uh, and so he told he, you know, him and Anthony kind of shared with me and, and we turned it into a podcast, but for me early on, it wasn't, it wasn't nearly as socially accepted, you know, to kind of put content out there and it wasn't, you know, there's a lot of people, there was no shortage of people that kind of made fun of it even, you know, and kind of like, what are you doing or why are you doing this? Or why do you think you should be able to do this or, um, whatever. And, I think, you know, I've always made it a point in my career that if everybody's going right, I try to go left sometimes. Um, I don't really, I don't really try to go with the group or, you know, I think if I think the, the, the herd mentality, I think there's a lot of, to, to be desired there. And so I, I usually know that I'm in the right space if I'm doing things that other people haven't done. You know, when I, when I wrote my first book, you know, not a lot of strength coaches wrote books. You know, and so there was, again, there was no shortage of people that were like, why are you doing that? And, um, you know, it ended up being, you know, a, a number one international bestseller, you know, and, and I think as long as, you know, I try to create content that I wanted to consume that right. you know, for some reason it was, just wasn't out there. I felt like if I wanted to do it, I felt like maybe other people wanted to do it as well. Right. Of all these roles that you have, an author, a podcaster, a coach, which role do you enjoy the most? I mean, coaching is what is in my DNA. I mean, that's who I am, you know, and so coaching is, is I mean, that's why I'm, I've been here since, you know, 5 a.m. this morning and I'll leave at 7 p.m. tonight, you know. Right. Uh, but I also, I do enjoy coaching the coaches as well. And um, I've always poured into coaches, mostly because I had coaches that poured into me. And um, I always felt obligated to kind of give back for that reason. And, and so I started doing that early on. But um, I think you have to, I, I think as a coach, it's such a volatile profession that you have to create, you know, some additional streams of income. I think one is super important. I think you're going to have some other platforms. Um, and I also think you need to learn to express yourself in different ways. And, um, and so, you know, those are more like hobbies to me. Writing books is more like a hobby to me or speaking or podcasting or things like that. Those are, those are things that I'm already doing. I just kind of created content around it. Um, and what I tell people is that we're still kind of in the first hundred years of this profession. You know, I mean, I'll, I, you can you can trace strength training kind of back 100 years, but as we know it, strength and conditioning coaches, it's still kind of in its first 100 years. And so we, we all have an obligation to kind of document this journey a little bit better for the people that are following behind us 
so that they can look back and really see, you know, and really see how this, this field was created that we hope is here hundreds of years from now, you know, but I, that's, I kind of look at it as an obligation a little bit to kind of create some content. Right, right. Uh, looping this back to something that you just said a couple of minutes back about uh, expressing yourself. So when and if you decide to do that, how do you get out of that fear of uh, judgment? Because just before I press the upload button on the YouTube, before my first podcast, I had a lot of internal chatter going on, whether this is the right thing to do, should I be doing it at this point? So did you ever face such situations in your own journey as a podcaster, as an author? Yeah, you know, early on, I probably should have, but I didn't. You know, I just always felt like, you know, again, it, it was, it was going to help people or people would, or they would either not look for it or skirt past it or whatever. But um, I, I have I have encountered my fair share of people that are, that are haters, you know, people that say whatever, you know, and anytime you put yourself out there, you're going to expose yourself and your, your ideologies and your, and your thoughts to interpretation by other people. And uh, what you have to end up doing, you just have to, you know, it's all about building your tribe. And what, what I try to do is I build a tribe of people, the people that know, like, and trust me, you know, that I'm, that I'm there to support however I can. And as long as I'm speaking to my tribe and, and somebody else comes across, if I'm not their cup of tea, I'm not their cup of tea, you know, and they can go off to, you know, whatever else. But I try to create stuff that is going to speak to the people that I know that appreciate what I do and, and kind of everybody else. It's not that big of a deal to me. And Understood. again, I think, you know, I don't, I don't think you can live this life in a way where your, your fear of being judged, you know, I mean, your people judge people all the time, just walking down the street, you know, you never leave your house. So for me, I, I just do it. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. And, Nine times out of ten, you put yourself out there. That's that's you know, it's braver than probably ninety percent of the people out there. Most people respect that. Understand. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, in a country like in India, uh, as you were saying, our industry is just about hundred years old. But in India, this industry is still at its infancy. So, when I go back home and tell my relatives that I'm an SNC, people don't even understand what that uh, term means. So. In, in such a scenario, probably this is something uh, like how back home for you, uh, how things were in 1980s or 90s. That's exactly how the situation is in India. In fact, we just had our first international conference hosted by ASCA last June. Uh, that too, because of COVID, it was converted online. So in such a situation, when there is a lot of inclination to consume content from the West, how do you develop that close community of SNC within the circle uh, look, reflecting back upon the experience you've had working in your career and as you've seen the evolution of SNC back in states how do you uh, create that sort of uh, network inside a country like India yeah I think I mean obviously the early stages of any of any profession any organization is going to be you're going to find your early adopters and you just got to build this kind of rock solid tribe of people that you guys, you know, grow it together and find ways to bring conferences, bring speakers, um, bring content to you. And I think that helps grow it within the country for sure. I think the, the other important part of that is to realize 
I think this is something that even the United States strength conditioning coaches need to realize is that there's a whole big world out there and there's, there's lots of opportunity um, to network with coaches all around the world just by, I mean, just by jumping on a Zoom call like we're doing right now, you know? And, and so early on, I was forced to do that a little bit by trying to find new and interesting guests on the podcast. So I had reached out to people in Australia or people for, you know, uh, England or China or wherever, you know, just to kind of create cool content that led to this network that I was able to leverage later on down the line when I was able to travel to those places and actually meet up with those coaches, you know, and I think, you know, really maximizing and reaching out to people all around the world and then turn around and trying to grassroots grow, excuse me, grow your, your network within India. Um, I think that's important. I think, it, you, you know, there's not, there's going to be a ton of work on the, on the, at the grassroots level to, to, to get content and try to upskill, you know, that, that population. But the way to do that, and you can exponentially do that faster by reaching out to, you know, some of those organizations like the ASCA or the UKSCA or the NSCA and helping them, you know, having them help you grow um, your own brand and your own chapter in, in India. I understand. So on a different uh, tangent, un unlike any other industry, since our industry is not so structured, at least in India, uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, uh, on your own uh, show uh, with Boy De Play. And he, he uh, probably he announced his retirement in that show when he was 73, maybe. So what, what do you think keeps people going and in fact uh, people like you as well uh, like wh where do you find the drive when things are so unstructured the pay scale the vulnerability of the job positions that you are in so people always uh, when I've had chats with my own peers so projecting yourself 10 years down the lane people might not know how to you know find the motivation necessary motivation to keep things going so what in your experience can keep people uh, keep the forward momentum going or at least in your personal experience, what does that yeah, get you going? Me, I think for me, it's the athletes. I mean, the athletes kind of keep you young, you know, and that's, that's the part that, you know, whether, whether it's just staying connected to music or, you know, pop culture or, or whatever, or just the simple fact that you have to stay, you know, kind of fit and young to kind of be able to do the job. Um, at that the kind of scale, that kind of time commitment takes quite a bit. So I think, I think the athletes are ultimately the answer to that, but I think it's just a, I think you have to be on a constant quest as a coach for uh, continuous improvement, whether that's your own education, um, whether that's your own training, whether that's you know, improving your program, you know, uh, I think all those things are come back to just you never feel like you're have arrived. And so if you're the kind of coach and you're young and you're just getting this field and you feel like like you have all the answers, you feel like you know you get bored with things easy, then this is probably not it because this is this is a super complex profession. And there's so many, I mean, strength and speed and power and balance and coordination and kinesthetic awareness and skill acquisition and all these things, you know, you have to be an expert in all of them, you know, and so just trying to go your 10,000 hour rule in each one of those areas, that's more than a 20 plus year career, 
you know, and even then you're still got tons of questions. You know, there's and it's and the field is growing at such an exponential rate right now because of the, the content that's being created and the research that's being done. Um, and, uh, and the advancement of technologies and things like that. So um, I feel more behind and I feel like I got to play catch up. So maybe that's that quest kind of keeps me motivated as well. Right. Uh, knowing what you know now, would you have done anything differently in your career during the early stages at least? Yeah, I think, you know, um, a good question. I mean, I, I usually ask an answer a question that's similar to that, like what are some of the mistakes that I've made? And, you know, I always answer that with just kind of my approach with an athlete early on. But I think from a coaching perspective, you know, I think it's easy to kind of kind of get in this us versus them mentality versus the coaches, you know, it's like the sport coaches. So it's like, hey, look, you know, boxing, I know strength and conditioning don't mess with me when I'm doing strength and conditioning and I won't mess with you when you're doing boxing. And I think if you really, you know, as coaches, we get the, we get the opportunity to be around a lot of really talented people, really, you know, motive, you know, any coach is more motivating and inspiring than the average person. And they all have their own experiences. They've all kind of dealt with a variety of athletes. And so you can learn from them on how they're interacting and motivating their athletes you can learn from on the technical side of their sport you can learn from um or you can network with them and you never know what i've realized is that this field is so small and so interwoven that you never know which which coach is going to help you get your next job you know and i wish i would have done a better job of staying in touch with even the, the lowly ga or the, or the really young coach that you know I just, I wasn't concerned with because they weren't the head coach or they weren't the, the main coach, you know, and I've been in this field long enough now to where I have former players that are the head coaches of teams and, and things like that. So um, really investing in relationships, I think is probably the, the part that I wish, you know, with my peers, this is part that I wish I would have done a better job. I understand. Uh, have you had interns right from a very early stage of your career interning with you? I did. I, you know, I, like I said, I, I pretty much went from being an intern almost right into being a head strength coach. I was, I was an intern for, for the Kansas City Royals baseball, professional baseball team. And I did an unpaid internship with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that turned into a paid kind of assistant role. Um, and and then I went to be, become a head strength coach during NFL Europe from that, you know. And so my education really was my internship experience, and um, and so I felt obligated to kind of give that back to people early on. And uh, so I took interns on right away, and and early on I poured into them in a curriculum type setting, and a lot of stuff that's kind of mainstream now wasn't mainstream 20 years ago, you know, and doing that. So I was able to recruit and have a lot of coaches come through our program. And now I've gone off to do incredible things. Multiple, multiple coaches that have gone on to win strength coach of the year, multiple that gone, gone off to win that, you know, national and world championships. Um, many of them have gone on to be head strength coaches and, 
you know, assistance and work around the world. So, um, and where, where that's beneficial to me is not just in the fact that there's built-in kind of network automatically, but I get all these people giving back and taking my program and making it better and sharing all that information with me. I understand. So I'm able to grow each and every year from, you know, a little bit of investment that I made years ago. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, one other question that I had from one of my friend was about the process of writing. You've had two books, uh, in, international bestsellers. S since we, uh, SNC coaches, don't really find time to sit down and write, is there a process that you have uh, in terms of writing? And how is it you uh, find time or the process? What, what, what does the process look like to write a book for you? Yeah, it's both by, both the books that I've written have been, one was a collection of stories. And so that was more of a process of collecting those stories and then writing it in a common language. Um, one was, you know, written start to finish by me. And, you know, and that was part of a bigger story of being, it, it, you know, having one of my, my condo flood and being stuck in a hotel and I was bored and just started writing, but Here's what I tell people now, and this is kind of my process now as I'm working on my third book, is I write 300 words a day. I, I make sure that I get 300 words a day. Um, 300 words is the average pay, is a page. Mm -hmm. And so in half a year, I can write a 270 page manuscript, you know, or 250 whatever page manuscript. Uh, and your average nonfiction book is about 220 to 270 pages. So, you know, if you just sit down every day and you write and you make that a habit, whether that's, you know, in the morning or in the evening or whatever is the most convenient time for is for you. Um, and I, I really don't, I, I don't start necessarily with an outline, although an outline would make it better and easier. But really, I just, like, I start, like, I'll, as I'm going through my day, you know, I'll remember a story of when I did something as a coach or I did something, as, you know, about a particular topic. And I'll just kind of write it almost like a blog post, you know, that story. And that'll just go in the file. And sometimes I'll pull that out and put that into a chapter somewhere. When I'm thinking of a bigger concept and I'm going to do a little research, you know. And then if I'm working on a particular book, then... I'll, uh, I'll sit there and I'll, um, I'll do the outline, I'll do research, and then I fill it in, you know, I'll fill in the content with, you know, um, just general content or just general kind of concepts and ideas. So the key is just write it all out and get it out of the transfer into a manuscript as fast as you can, and then that's when the real process really starts, when you start kind of editing that trimming it down and trying to make it coherent. You know, that's the, that's the hard part of writing a book is writing the, manu the manuscript is easy. The hard part is actually having to go back and think and done uh, and go through the research <laughs> process almost. I can imagine. Brilliant piece of advice. 300 words a day. That's something very practical and doable. Uh, when can we expect your new book, Ron? Yeah, it's something that I've, I've been working on for about a year actually and, and just 
with COVID is actually making it's made it harder for me to finish, and it should have been easier actually. Um, but probably uh, sometime in the third, the second, end of the second quarter, third quarter this year, it should be coming out. It's all about creating kind of an individual brand that you can leverage and monetize as a coach. And so that you can create these additional revenue streams around your individual brand, but still coach. I think a lot of times with these entrepreneurial kind of books and messages, they're trying to tell you to get away from coaching. And coaches coach because they love to do what they do. Uh, they, I, they don't want to get out of it, but it's, but it's volatile, you know. And if you don't have a backup or you don't have a way to make money if you're in between jobs, sometimes it can lead to you not coaching, you know. And so the more revenue streams that you can create around your job that keeps you so that you can stay in it um, so my goal is to continue to coach for as long as i possibly can but i want to make more money outside of coaching than i do in coaching so that way i don't have to compromise any of my values any of my beliefs i can coach where i want to coach i want to coach with and i can coach for as long as i want to coach and um and so that's what the book's about and, and um you know, it'll be a little bit of a, a episodes for a podcast to go along with it, but I don't know if I'm going to turn it into a podcast. I haven't decided that yet. Understand. Can't, can't wait for it uh, once it's released. Uh, when I was having a chat with Mike Boyle, he, he asked if uh, I could find someone to translate his book uh, to Hindi because uh, he found a stat saying Hindi is the second uh most spoken language in the world. And there's a huge market out here for people uh, who would like to have the books in Hindi, specifically yeah. books from people like you, Mike Boyle. Yeah. I think that's, I, think that's, I mean, I, I think you, you know, where you're at in your career, so many times I think early on, coaches are trying to be that content expert right away and that's the thing like you never you're, you just haven't had the, the world experience or the life experience to kind of be at that point yet but you can be the connector you know and so like if you're the connector to a mike will or a ron mckee for you or a cal Beats or a, or whoever else you know in india well now you've got a front row seat to interacting with those coaches and they're almost indebted to you in some ways you know and so I think doing stuff like that and helping get coaches, you know, anybody, any content creators material translated into, you know, another language, you know, and putting together maybe events kind of around that. I think that's super smart, you know, and it's a way for you to kind of, like I said, to get, you know, uh, connected to those, those influencers. Absolutely. hundred percent. Absolutely. Ron, I want to honor your time. Thank you so much for making the time for this uh, from your busy schedule, finding the time to speak to me for half an hour. It, it makes a world of difference for us uh, people, uh, the SNCs in India. So before I let you off the hook, is there anything that you want to uh, say, communicate to the Indian SNC community? No, I think, I mean, I thank you for, for having me on. I think people don't realize how much effort and time goes into it creating content like this, you know, and, and how selfless you have to be to, you know, to, to do that for the masses or to do that for the people that are there. So I appreciate you for, for having me and the work that you're doing there. And, um, you know, for me, it's, 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 uh, I think if we can all leave this world a better place, 
you know, for us being on it. I think that's that's the mission. And um, I'm just trying to leave this field a little bit better than I found it. I'm trying to I'm trying to leave this world a little bit better than I found it. To do that, you have to sacrifice and give up your, of your time and give up your your energy and those types of things. So um, happy to do it. Excited for you and what you're doing over there. And hopefully one of these days we'll make it down to, to India and we'll make sure we get a coffee together. We'd love to have you here. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ron. <laughs>